Good morning. If you have your Bible, obviously we're in James uh, chapter 1. We're starting in verse 19 this morning. Um, before we get started, let me, uh, let me pray for us again. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for uh, your presence in this place. I thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for gathering us together to hear from you. I pray that uh, we would look intently into your word this morning and receive what it has to say to us with meekness and humility this morning. And I pray that it changes us. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Uh, So... Uh, the little video that you just saw was people turning on a faucet um, consistently. And I uh, want to kind of reiterate the point that we're, we're making when we have those. Like the first two weeks, we had people flipping on light switches and, and lights came on. Um, and I think it, it's, I, I kind of kind of dawned on me this morning that this could get slippery because this morning's message gets a little bit slippery. Um, and I I don't want the book of James is not about um, manipulating God. Uh, a lot of times we can think that our obedience can somehow manipulate God, but instead, it's it's the godness of God that that changes us, and uh, so we don't come at God with when we turn the faucet on, we're going to get water. We come at God with that same understanding that every single time when you go to a sink, when you went to the sink to brush your teeth this morning and you turned the, the faucet on, did you cross your fingers hoping that the water would come out? Probably not. There are so many of these things. I, I put the question about, about a month ago on, on on Facebook and Twitter. What simple things do you place your faith in? And the faucet is a perfect example of that. We go to the faucet and we don't think through the inner workings of a faucet. We don't think through that when I turn this knob, a little something is going to change. And I don't know, you guys can help me out here if there's any people good at plumbing. But there's like a little ball or something in there, right? When you do that, it loosens the ball a little bit and allows the water to flow through. You don't think through that, right? When you turn the water on, when you go to wash your hands, hopefully you all washed your hands this morning, um, you, don't, you don't go through those details. And, and it's that sort of faith that, we, that, that James calls us to come to God with. Uh, so that basically is, is the, the big picture of, of the book of James. I want to, before we get into this morning's passage, I want to teach us a little bit about how to study Scripture. There's kind of two, two things for us to do when we come to Scripture. One, we have to keep the big picture in mind. We need to see what the author is trying to communicate throughout the course of this book, his, what he's written here. And for James, it's, I believe, and we believe that it's, it's faith. He's teaching us about faith, coming to God, trusting that he is who he says he is. And if we give ourselves over to who he says he is and who he says that we are and what he says he will do, if we give our things over to that, then, then God will, will, will change us and, and we will be changed. And so that's the, the big picture. Um, but I want to, want to read this, this to us. Um, not just the big picture of a particular book, but the big picture of, of scripture. And this is what I believe is happening. God is revealing himself and his purposes 
to redeem the world through his son, Jesus. And the end of that is redemption. And that is to completely satisfy our longings by giving us relationship with himself. Say that again. Walk with me slowly here. This is, this is important for us at the, at the, whenever we study scripture to see the details of it, but also see the, the, the big picture. Throughout all of scripture, this is what God is trying to do. Reveal himself and his purposes to redeem the world through his son, Jesus Christ. And the end of that redemption is to completely satisfy our longings by giving us relationship with himself. Do you realize that? That every word that is written in Scripture is a puzzle that fits together and its expressed purpose is to bring you to the place where you'll have your longings satisfied. This is the point of Scripture. So as we deal with the minutia of James, we're going to deal with with three or four verses this morning and, and get dirty with the specifics of it. We're going to look close up at a tree, but before we do, let's see the forest. And the forest is that God has revealed himself and his purposes for the express purpose of showing you redemption and satisfying every longing that you've ever had. God is glorious and perfect, and he is the only way to bring complete satisfaction, joy, and contentment to your soul. So that's one major component of studying the Bible. The second major component is is looking at the nuance and the argument that the author is making. For James, our destination is faith. That God is who he says he is, does what he says he will do, and we are who he says we are. This is the the ultimate destination for James. All right? It's very similar to a GPS. Cooper, hit that that first slide up there, buddy. It's uh, very similar. When we get detailed, it's to this. This is uh, Siri got these directions for me from my house to here. All right? So what I do, I get in my car, and I go to the end of the road and turn right onto Florissant Road, okay? And then it tells me, in three miles, turn left onto Washington Street, which it doesn't, it doesn't say this, and it can get confusing here, but Washington crosses, Charbonnier, or crosses Lindbergh and becomes Charbonnier, so that's kind of confusing, right? And so then once I'm on Washington, I'm going to go for 1.1 miles, and then I'm going to be here at this building, all right? So Scripture... When we deal with it, the nuance of Scripture, it's just like this, giving you specific directions. So when you get to this road, when you get to the end of the road, you're going to want to turn right onto Florissant Road. Then you're going to go for three miles, and you're going to want to turn left onto Washington. And then you're going to be there. So Scripture gives us subtle nuances. But, Cooper, hit the next one. And this is what I don't want us to, to lose the picture of. This is when we see all of Scripture, we can see this 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 fullness of this map. So now we, we see that we're trying to get from the green dot to the red dot. So the green dot is our, our sin, our brokenness, and p- other people's sin and other people's brokenness that affect us and the longings that we have. We have a, this deep longing to be in relationship. We have this deep longing to be understood and known. We have this deep longing to be fully accepted that's the course of this map. And so we wind up with the red dot there at our destination. And again, our destination is understanding that we are fully redeemed and fully accepted and fully loved. And this is the, the big picture story that Scripture is trying to say to you. But, Cooper, go back to the last one. 
To get there, we follow these directions. And we need to be careful. Here's what's slippery. The directions don't, don't create the destination. You with me? The destination is the destination, and God has given us direction there. So we don't obey so that God will love us. We obey because we know where we're going. And this is the book of James, and it's, it's very slippery, and we'll, we'll get to that part in just a second. So uh, turn with me, if you have your Bible, to James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. The first few verses we're going to take very slowly because they are very specific directions. They are driving down the street, and when you get to the end of the road, turn right on Florissant Road. This is what he, he says to us here. Uh, James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Stop just a second. My beloved brothers. Don't. Like, we, can, we can get past, because we know what's coming. Be slow to speak. Be, be quick to hear and, 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 and be, uh, be slow to anger. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and, and be slow to anger. We know that's coming, and we pass up my beloved brothers. How, how would I be, how would I differ if I was, imagine Hannah Grace is 14, she's going to be 16 in two years, she's going to be getting in a car to drive soon in a couple of years, and it's going to freak me out. How much differently would I give instruction on how to get someplace to Hannah Grace than I would for, say, Jeff, I love you very much, but you're, you're an adult, you know how to get places. I would, I would give direction differently to Hannah Grace. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, when was the last time somebody was talking and you stopped and looked them square in the eye? Chances are, if you're a male, that was longer ago than if you're a female. Husbands, when was the last time your wife was talking and you weren't... I get that all the time. Rick, I'm talking to you, not the top of your head. Get off of your stupid phone. But seriously, guys... Next time your wife starts talking, why don't you stop and go shoulder to shoulder with her and, and look her in the eye and listen to what she has to say? Be quick to hear. How would, how would our world be different? We're in the middle of a political season, right? And everyone wants to give their opinion, most notably the, you know, the Republican group is there's like 10 of them right and so they get very little time to talk during the their debate and so they're really not not listening to anything anyone is saying they just want to get out what they want to get out how would our world be different how would our engagement of a culture be different think about ferguson think about the gay marriage debate, think about the abortion debate, how much would things be different if we sat down and listened to people? Seriously, think about that. And here we are at the scripture trying to get to our destination. And it says at the end of the road, turn right on Florissant Road. Be quick to hear, 
And we are miserable failures at that. You are a miserable failure at that. And what does it mean to really hear someone? Be slow to speak. Watch a debate. When, when they come, they're, or just engage in, in, in any sort of political conversation. Watch, look at Facebook. Everyone can't wait to get all messed mad, right? We all, as soon as, I, the only reason I'm going to listen to what you have to say is because I'll know when it's time for me to get to talk. We're, we can't wait for our turn to get to talk. But the directions say, be slow to speak and slow to anger. Think about Jesus. Think about quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Think about Jesus before the Sanhedrin. Completely unfair situation. Middle of the night, and he's in a court proceeding for his life. And here is Jesus. What did he say? Do you guys remember much of what he said? There was very little that he said. He just listened to people. And he let his joy that was set before him be the thing that predicted what he was going to do, how he was going to act. And that's, that's the whole point of, of that, you know, map that was on the screen in front of us is we're trying to get to our destination. We're not trying to, to win this moment. How, how different would Jesus have responded if he was trying to win that moment, but he had a bigger picture in mind. Scripture says he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He knew where he was going. This is what James is arguing for us. He knows where he's taking us. He knows where these directions that he's given to us will lead. And they lead with full redemption of our soul, complete satisfaction of our beings. And the way to get there is to shut up a little bit and listen and don't get so angry. Verse 20, very simple, nice, memorizable Verse, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is a perfect example of simple direction. This is turn left onto Washington Street. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Here's something that I would suggest. Most of you have uh, a phone on it a phone with an alarm on it, and you can label your alarms, set an alarm for yourself that says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Set an alarm on your phone to go off every day at one o'clock. You get back from lunch and you, you sit down to engage your workday some more, or you put the kids down and you, you get a chance to relax and an alarm goes off and reminds you of the word of God. Jeff said it perfectly. We sing songs to put the gospel, the truth in you. We study scripture. We read scripture to put the truth in us. And, and we live in an age where it's, it's right in front of you. We should have alarms going off five, six times a day, reminding us of simple, subtle little things. 
giving us direction because we're trying to get to a destination. Uh, Next verse, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put away. That means to change your clothing. The the word picture is to to change your clothing. Um, I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Jen is working as an office manager at the St. Louis Metro office, and uh, they had a big, their big annual event, and she was kind of in charge of, of everything from decorating to food to clean up and all that stuff. And so she started work early that day and, and came home about, uh, what did you get home, about 11 o'clock that night or something like that. What's that? Whatever. Late. It was, we were gone for a while. Um, and as we're driving home, she says, I can't wait to go home and put on my fat pants. And that's what she likes to call them, her fat pants, like her sweat, so she can just lounge. And, and the reason was she had been in, you know, she had to look nice and presentable, and, you know, she's the face of, of the office, and people that see the, the St. Louis Metro once a year come to this event, and so she wants to greet them, she wants to look nice and all that. So she's tired of, of being in those clothes. And so she goes home and changes. This, that picture is exactly what... James is communicating to us. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness. So take those clothes off and put these clothes on. You follow? Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Um, this is a this is an incredible verse. Another good one to the second half of this. Receive with meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your soul. Put that on your phone in an alarm. Meekness here is commonly misunderstood. We think of shy or unwilling to stand up for themselves, some sort of like timid uh, when we hear meekness. But this word meekness is also translated as humility. It really means a teachable disposition. Receive with a teachable disposition the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Don't miss that. This word of God, this word that we're studying together today, is active and alive and can save you. That's, that's really inc- pretty incredible, isn't it? Receive with meekness. Receive with humility. Receive with a teachable disposition. This word, it's an active thing. Um, Cooper, throw up that next picture. This is a, a, a good illustration of what I'm talking about. Um, can you see that well? That's uh, the end of my driveway and the beginning of my house. Um, where you see right there at the bottom of the screen the, is where the driveway ends, and then the, the grass and the flower bed. That, like two months ago, was driveway extended all the way to the house. A friend of mine, Abram, back there, came over one day with a sledgehammer and uh, some pry tools and we busted it up and dumped it in the back of his truck and drove it away. And then that was, that was, was quite a lot of work. It was fun, strong work. Like for some weak little guy like me, Abram swung the, the sledgehammer a lot more than I did. Um, so we, we beat it. There was a, a lot of work that went into beating this concrete up and then uh, we put the concrete in the back of his truck and then there's a bunch of sand and, and gravel that's kind of still left and we scooped that in and, and I, I was scooping it out and, 
as, as the days kind of wore on, because after you beat all that up, you're really tired. You don't want to pick up the little bitty tiny pebbles. And so me and the kids would go out there and pick up the little tiny pebbles. And then uh, we came, Abram came back a couple days later with some new fresh dirt, and we put some dirt on top of that. And then on top of the dirt, Jen and I, uh, like a couple of days later, we, we planted that stuff that's there. And then I took some sod from the, the side yard and, and put uh, the sod between, you see where the landscaping bricks and the, the driveway are, we, that's all sod that came from a different part of, of my yard, and we, we planted it there. And, but the picture is, is that like two months ago, you can, you're all welcome to come over today and look at this. Uh, the picture is, Jen's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so the, the, the idea is that we're, we broke up the concrete and then we, we planted these flowers and we planted this grass and now it is what you see. And there's, there's something almost magical that happens for a little bulb to become a flower. Something magical that happens that what was dirt and we just put grass on top of it and press it down and put water on it and now it's growing and it, it, you have to cut it once a week. And it's, it's just fascinating to me, that process. And that same idea is what's happening here. The Word of God, as we read it and study it and receive it with a, with a teachable position saves our souls, changes us. Is that incredible to you? It's incredible to me that looking at at the Word of God with a teachable spirit can change who we are and how we behave. This is what God is saying to you. Now, let's go back to it. I talked about it being a, a slippery Slope and the verses that kind of start here and, and go for the rest of, of the book can be slippery. They can be misunderstood. They can be used to support a works-based salvation. But we know from the teaching of, of Paul and from Jesus and from others, Paul in particular in, in Romans uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way for the rest of his, rest of his book in Romans and in and the book of Ephesians, Paul is not teaching a salvation by works philosophy. A lot of the theologians dismiss the book of James. Some, including Luther, Martin Luther, say that James shouldn't be in the Bible because it, it's in conflict with the rest of the Bible. But I don't believe that to be true um, because the, the slippery slope is this legalism versus license, but there's more to it. Let, let's read the... 22 through 27, we'll, we'll get to this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if one, anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the widows and orphans in their affliction and keep oneself 
unstained from the world. So it appears as though James might be beginning to teach, and as we get deeper into the book of James, it'll become more apparent that James is teaching a works-based salvation, and, and I don't believe that's true. We come at this with one of two things. We can either preach legalism or we can preach license. Legalism means if we follow these rules, God is going to give to us. Back to our picture of of flipping on light switches and turning on faucets. We can misunderstand the illustration and think that if we do this, we're going to get this. And so I'm going to do this so that God will give to me. That's not the point. The point is trusting that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. And we are who he says we are. So there's more than just legalism versus license. And license says grace is enough. Grace is going to cover up all my sins so I can do whatever I want to do. And so there's this tension between legalism and license. And when we come to the book of James, we get confused because it seems to differentiate between what we believe Paul and Jesus and John and Peter, all these guys to say. But John and Jesus both say similar things. John writes the words of Jesus in John 14. And he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Not he will, if you keep my word, I'll love you. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So if you love Jesus, you should be keeping his word. And if you don't, you might want to think a little bit harder. This is hard to hear. John 15, 14, Jesus speaking again. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. This is hard to hear. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 1 John 2, 4, whoever says, this is John speaking, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We want to put this somewhere in the spectrum between legalism and license. And how do we, how do we place that there, especially given what, what we know Paul to say? Are these things in conflict with each other? I don't think so. Let me tell you why. I think the answer here is for us to wrestle with and not try to strike a balance between legalism and abusing grace. For legalism, it says, the answer is to try harder and try to obey and create a checklist and do these things. That's not what this is saying. License is saying the answer is to do whatever you want to do because Jesus is going to forgive you anyway. Let's look at two specific verses in the, the, this part that I, I just said. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. And secondly, verse 25, look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, and he will be blessed in his doing. These are directions for us. Remember our our picture, turn right on Florissant Road, turn left on Washington, and you're there. These are directions to get us to this place. These verses base themselves in faith. Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you really believe that God will do what he says he will do? Do you really come to God as you come to a faucet? 
that when you turn it on, water's going to come out. Do you really believe that? If so, let's be slow to anger. Let's be quick to listen. Let's be slow to speak. These are the directions for us because God is who he says he is. I want to close with this idea. When we believe these things, we willingly come to Scripture with the knowledge that it will change us. And think about looking into a mirror, studying the face of what you see in the mirror, and and go to Scripture that way, expecting it to be implanted in you and to yield fruit. We've closed each sermon in this series so far with... uh, a reading over you. And I want to do that again today because it paints the picture of where God is trying to take us, I believe, to see the big picture. We look at the specific nuance and subtlety of direction, but the point of it is faith. So um, if you would, close your Bible up and uh, close your eyes and, and try to free ourselves from distraction and allow me to just read this over you because it changes this is the, the word of God implanted in you and being implanted with you and I'm praying I've prayed this week that you would receive this with a teachable spirit because all these things come straight from scripture God is who he says he is he is the only thing that can completely satisfy you He is your Father. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He is full of love. God is who He says He is. He wants to bring you love. He wants to bring you joy and peace and patience. He is sovereign. He will give you only good things. He wants to have intimate relationship with you. He is your help in time of trouble. He is good. God will do what he says he will do. He will love you with a steadfast love. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will protect you. He has good plans to give you a future and a hope. He will supply all of your needs. He will take your burden from you. He has an inheritance waiting for you that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. His grace that He has given is enough to cover all of your sin. He will do good to you. I am who God says I am. You are who God says you are. I am adopted as a son of God. I am loved always. I am his possession. I am his workmanship. I am holy and blameless. I am more than a conqueror. I am an heir with Christ. I am continually being prayed for by Jesus. I am fully 
redeemed. All my sin is paid for. I am welcome into the presence of God at all times. I am a friend of God. I am a recipient of His goodness. This is the destination for us. This is who God is calling us. This is who God is, where God is calling you to. This is the faith that He's trying to implant in you. And our role is to look intently into it and then allow it to do its job. Our destination is for us to believe that God is who He says He is and does what He says He will do and that we are who He says we are. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would each receive your word with meekness, with humility, with a teachable spirit, and that you would implant your word deep within our souls, our spirits, our personhood. God, give us a teachable, meek spirit. Give us a desire to study, to look intently into your word, to realize that it is the path to real, intimate, and beautiful relationship with you. God, give us opportunity to memorize your word, even phrases of your word. God, allow us to go through our day thinking about your steadfast love, your abundant mercy, your plentiful grace, your perfect goodness the death and resurrection of your son. Give us occasion. Give us reminders to think that you are great. And allow that word to plant deep within us. And just like the the flowers in front of my house, they will grow and become beautiful and we will cyclically engage in the beauty of who you are. God, allow us to trust you so much It would change how we behave. Being slow to speak and slow to anger. Being quick to listen. Refraining from anger. And having a pure religion that engages in the weak and the powerless and serves God, may we follow you with faith. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.